0: hello there this is Ricardo silvestre your host for the liberal europe podcast this episode is still is an episode on the series in lockdown even if we have wrapped up the webinar series on the european liberal forum that exactly had the name liberties in lockdown but fear not because we're going to have much more stuff to come in the near future on the digital realm so for this episode and we're going to have a couple more in on lockdown series but for this one I have added Dragos Pislaru to talk to me regarding his uh, participation on the Please Mind the Generational Gap debate that we had on liberties in lockdown. And after our conversation I'll be back to tell you about more events organized by ELF for this month of July. I'm here with Dragos Pislaru. Dragos, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I would like to greet all the European Liberal Forum listeners. Well, it's a privilege to have you on the podcast. And we're going to talk about something really important. You were on the webinar, uh, Liberties in Lockdown, which was exactly organized by the European Liberal Forum. And uh, you have many areas where you work and you're interested in but one of them in particular i ask you to come to the podcast that we can talk about this a little more detail and that is entrepreneurs markets and the recovery plan now that we're starting to get a little bit out of this pandemic and with the liberal view which will be the eu next generation so let's start with that tell us what this means to our listeners
1: I think that um, after we had a series of debate on the lockdown and uh, basically how our liberties have been affected during the lockdown, right now it's the moment to uh, look forward and to understand um, what would be the plans in Europe uh, for the future. And I think that it's crucial um, in this debate about the recovery plan and the um, you know setting up a high ambition for Europe. To understand what would be a liberal view on that, Um, Mm -hmm. what do we understand by recovery, resilience and all these principles and nice words that we are actually putting forward.
0: So let's stay with that, which is the resilience, the the, the plan, the organization, all this with a liberal view. So tell us a little bit how does this differ from other visions, from other plans that you've been seeing for example at the European Parliament?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the word resilience, um, it has actually been hand, handpicked because um, right now resonates with, uh, you know, all parts of the spectrum. It's basically uh, the ability of an economy or a society to minimize losses, uh, especially in the context of a disaster, or a shock and uh, i mean it's also linked to to the dynamic resilience the ability to reconstruct and recover mm-hmm. i actually as as a liberal i would have actually chosen um even more ambitious words uh we have this word called anti-fragility mm. which is introduced by nassim Nicholas taleb in his uh, in his book anti-fragile and basically um i mean taleb is describing a system that not only is capable of responding to stress shocks, volatility, uh, attacks, but I mean what is actually important is to recover from this particular failure and become even better. And I think that this is one trait that entrepreneurs re- or, you know generally have. And so I would actually prefer to, to to talk about the recovery plan with the view about anti-fragility. It's not necessarily you know, about going back to the normality before the crisis. It's the moment in which we can actually plan to reinvent and to raise the bar for Europe's development. So that's actually how I see it.
0: That's a great point, the anti-fragility, because it connects to other areas. You know, uh, pandemics are not the only problem coming up. For example, I see that you have a special interest in uh, climate change and others that can happen. So when you're thinking about this anti-fragility, can you go over like a couple more things that we can work together for this European uh, future?
1: Absolutely. Um, As an economist, I mean, uh, let's go to basics. It's always good to go to basics. So um, if we look at the factors of production, you have uh, land, labor and capital, the traditional factors of production, and then you have entrepreneurship, which is also a factor of production, which which is not, you know, so well um, stressed and 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 highlighted. Actually, I would say that uh, obviously capital is important, and the amount of the budget we we've been actually hearing that the EU is putting forward 750 billion euros, um, and uh, we've heard about uh, the measures to uh, you know help unemployment with a, with a sure scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is that we haven't heard that much about one of these, you know, basic factors of production, that is entrepreneurship. So, um, in my view, um, I I do think that if we are talking about recovery and resilience, this factor, entrepreneurship, should actually be the most important one, um, honestly. And I think that uh, the anti-fragility thing is is actually very well suited right now as a concept because. It's it's exactly as in the case of the pandemic itself. Um, we are right now looking for a vaccine that would actually create immunity. That's what we would actually want to see. It's not necessarily to see that we are coming out of the shock and then prepare for the next one, but to, to, to see that we are going to become more immune to this kind of volatility. And, and that's what entrepreneurs are actually doing. I mean, they're reinventing their businesses. They're reinventing ways to allocate resources in society. So that's why I really believe that th- this is um, the touch that we should actually have uh, besides money and, of course,
0: um, uh, jobs. Have you been seeing more of a state-centered kind of initiative and and policies exactly to develop this kind of um, short-term solutions and long-term solutions or are you hopeful that with more focus on entrepreneurship and as you were mentioning as one of the key factors for economy for markets for the functioning of society are you hopeful that we can continue this transition or are you seeing some resistance to that
1: I think that one of the worries that we should have as liberals related to what is happening at a greater scale right now, um, at worldwide level, is that uh, both globalization is suffering and, um, you know, uh, entrepreneurship at grassroots level, Um, because the the forces right now are actually going to uh, a system that is based more uh, at the state level. level. Right now, Mm -hmm. an opportunity for this Nationalization of prerogatives um, uh, by member states. Uh, there, I mean, there is a, um, a seize of powers that is is going on right now as a response of uh, of the pandemics, and you know once. The a state is actually getting more power is actually quite difficult to to, to make it uh, give up it. Um, so uh, we are actually seeing at larger largest scale um, that international trade may actually be affected because of, uh, you know, clashes between big economic blocks. And at subnational level, we see that, um, you know, uh, competition policy. Um, is actually a little bit in danger with a lot of state aid that is at the horizon. Um, and also with a lot of, um, of grants um, and incentives that the states are actually putting forward. And it, this is not necessarily a bad thing, but um, it's it's very important to, to be sure that that this is not distorting the markets and is not going to give uh, bad signs to the economy. Let me give you one particular example. If um, this particular crisis uh, and, and in its aftermath, we are going to find a system in which the state is going to support the champions—that is, the big companies—based on the principle "too big to fail," and neglect a little um, more um, actually the, the small entrepreneurs, the family businesses, the freelancers. Then we—I don't think that we are going to be on the on the right path um, because. That means that we are going to be captive to some big actors while denying actually what's what's the basis for the anti-fragility that I was actually talking about, you know. So um, we are talking about the internal market, but the internal market right now um, is uh, still suffering from, you know, uh, the basic application of the free movement of labor, capital, services and goods. And I think that... Um uh, we need to be sure that if we have a European plan, it will be European uh, I- implemented at the European level and not just, you know, um, um, a puzzle of different interventions at national level by member states that are basically competing with each other. So that's actually the tricky part
0: that we are where looking for. Yeah, Indeed, that's a great point. And one thing that is good in this, it's the experience that the European Union has, which is nationalization of key industries or key services. It's not sustainable. Uh, I come from a country where we have that experience, and we know that even for now, to recover from the pandemic, that looks like one one solution. I share your view that we have to move on to have more free initiative and more entrepreneurship to uh, have the system working uh, better. Now, let's move to another topic, which is um, this is not new. This I've been talking with a lot of people here on the podcast, and one thing that I see come over and over is people warning uh, the listeners that this is not new. This structural problems existed before COVID-19. Can you develop a little more uh, that thought?
1: Absolutely. Um, we are we are actually seeing uh, the, the crisis as a catalyst for some of these structural problems, so we see them even at a higher scale. We are talking here about the fact that um, in terms of the European project, uh, we have actually failed to build up a capital union, we failed to being, build up a banking union. Uh, We basically uh, are are failing to build up, uh, you know, a European project that will actually have um, the the power to address the future. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's one part of it. The other part of it uh, in terms of, uh, um, let's say, uh, the overall approach on economy. Um, I mean, Europe says that it's investing in research, development, innovation for years, and it's not actually going very well at European scale. Um, it says that it's going to foster entrepreneurship and, you know, foster on fast growing firms uh, in, in and especially in new sectors such as digital and um, technology related to um, to climate change uh, fighting and so on. so but, but it's not actually going quite well. And the, the problem is that the, the cause is, on one hand, the lack of coordination. Um, on the other hand, the, the lack of uh, leadership. And uh, I mean, I think that um, in the end is also a fact that uh, we have not been able to unleash the entrepreneurial force uh, in Europe because of the boundaries that we have at national states and regulations and bureaucracy and so on. So if I I just can make a point here about um, what, uh, you know, big changes we have uh, related to uh, economic transformation in Europe. So there are some reforms that would be um, the the cornerstone um, of that. So we have the Green Deal with an amazing opportunity for investing in innovation and and green technologies. We have digital transformation and we as liberals, we are very keen in promoting that. Um, especially because this, this means higher productivity for companies, but also digital means less bureaucracy and uh, you know cutting red tape through uh, digital systems in public administration um, across Europe. And then you have the new industrial policy um, and you have a SME strategy and you have a skill strategy. All of them are crucial, actually. The skill strategy, because we need to focus on the um, you know, on, on, the, on the labor market of tomorrow, uh, we are going to be in, in a market that would be, uh, you know, uh, with uh, in artificial intelligence and and um, and technologies that will lead to automation. So we need basically to prepare for that as part of the transformation, as part of the of the uh, aspiration for anti fragility. Then SMEs, that's the backbone of our liberal view, and the fact that entrepreneurship should be there at the forefront. Whereas the industrial uh, uh, strategy, the new industrial strategy, I think that it's quite important to, to follow and to contribute to that because the 14 ecosystems that have been announced by Commissioner Thierry Breton provide a very interesting view. And it's all about, not just about the conceptual framework, it's about how it's going to be implemented. Um, If it's going to be implemented by, uh, you know, focusing on a hub and spoke thing, that is to provide uh, the big money for big companies and then neglect the smaller actors, then it will be actually um, not necessarily good. If it's going to be, you know, helping an entire network um, of companies to develop and to uh, share knowledge and resources, then we may have. Europe emerging as, as um, indeed uh, uh, an actor uh, that will be anchored well uh, for the future. And that's actually very, very important. Um, ecosystems are uh, something, uh, I mean, that, that is not something new. It's based on the theory that comes from Arthur Marshall and then, from, uh, you know, uh, more or less uh, redeveloped by uh, Michael Porter and, you know, a little bit uh, adds on from Krugman with the new economic geography. And it's very, very important. I mean, we are right now uh, more or less a little bit reinventing the wheel, which is not really bad, Mm -hmm. going back to basics. But it's very important not to use just words and to, you know, to put labels, but to, to actually provide the kind of reforms that all the entrepreneurs across Europe are actually waiting. So it's not just, you know, coming up with ecosystem as a fancy word, it's about, understanding what the value chains are, what they are the obstacles of smaller entrepreneurs to actually access those value chains, being sure that we are actually addressing the issue with core periphery, that it's a structural problem at an European level. So all these things related to gentrification, ethnic economies, gendered economies, uh, uh, urban economies, all these things that are there, uh, they should be part of our new thinking. and. Uh, Right now, they are, they are still a little bit marginal, I guess.
0: But now, Dragos, I'm going to challenge you on another topic which is uh, concurrent to this one. And that is the other thing that I've been noticing with people talking about recovering from COVID either is from health, education, from uh, cybersecurity, from fiscal. It's exactly as you mentioned just a minute ago. And that is to have more integration, to have a more unified response.
1: Yeah, I, I guess that there are, you know, some fundamentals that we as liberals are putting forward. And and, and again, um, this is very important. So if we are talking about more integration, more unity, this for, I mean, by all means, that no, this not needs to be translated into more bureaucracy and more rules and regulations and so on. And we at Renew Europe are the most pro-European group. And we think that it's possible to have at the same time a union that is addressing in a more integrated way the problems of the citizens and at the same time a digital europe a europe that is actually less bureaucratic and with much more flexibility in terms of um, the instruments that it's it's using and and we we are right now having this debate um, you know, to be addressed in our big initiative at Renew Europe, which is the conference on the future of Europe. And and that's actually that's actually quintessential. We are coming with the vision of how the European Union can transform from this rigid um artifactual construction into something that is uh, going to be alive, that's going to be dynamic, and that's going to be that's very important, close to its citizens, close to the entrepreneurs, close to respecting the rights of European citizens close to categories that have right now that are right now hindered to access their their rights. And I want to highlight one particular category that we are very keen in actually highlighting and this is actually about the new generation of the next generation that has been referred by the Commission. And interestingly enough, the Commission has referred to it as the generation that needs to pay the bill. Yes. (laughs) for, For the 750 billion, I would actually say that we should actually see things uh, in another perspective. This is the generation that should be involved in this transformation. This is the generation that we should actually use as a criteria for allocating every eurocent of the money that we are spending. If we are going to spend the money thinking at the benefits of the next generation in terms of our action, that's going to change Europe. For, for better. Because in this way, we, we will not alienate the younger generation, the youth, the children, and we are going to give them a perspective of, of unity and efficiency and closeness to citizens of, of Europe. And that's actually quintessential. And if you're looking at the budgets right now, you see that Erasmus Plus has cuts, Youth Solidarity Corps has cuts, creative, uh, uh, um, uh, cultural and creative industries have cuts, so basically, I mean. We have this kind of um, paradoxical image right now. We are saying that we are going to invest for the next generation, but we are not actually highlighting exactly the the, the programs that may give an impulse to the imagination of the, the next generation. And this is not just us delivering for them. It's involving the next generation in the next decisions. So that's actually how the future should be um if you would like to have the uh, an emergence the emergence of new entrepreneurs then you should actually create an ecosystem to use the word that will actually allow them to access the opportunities that we have at european level so that's actually quintessential about recovery in my view and anti-fragility is to look at the next generation as the beneficiary, but also an actor that should be involved in the process. And in this way, I think that we are going to get better off. And that's actually good for us as liberals to, to, to have the trust in the next generation that they can actually be part of the process, not just, you know, spectators and, you know, um, people that will expect or, or, you know, just benefit from the process um, on, on a sidetrack.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how EU citizens can get involved and as you said, this particular population, which is young entrepreneurs listening to us paying attention to the European Union, uh, trying indeed actually to use those instruments to get better. How do we make this happen? how do we also involve other populations like one thing that we've been talking a lot it's elderly population how also we need them to be involved we need them to be active to have a healthy aging to help the process of the european union so how do we make all those things happen
1: so we as liberals we are believing in the fact that the backbone of a society should be uh, based on active people um self-fulfilled people on, on people that have access um, to opportunities to, to um, deliver for themselves uh, for a decent life. Uh, we believe very much into that. We believe that creating access and opportunity will allow people to fulfill their dreams and to engage in a society and, and serve the others uh, by doing so. I think that we are actually very well positioned as liberals and as Renew Europe right now, because we are very keen on promoting uh, the Green Deal and the Green Deal is something that the next generation, the youth especially, is recognizing as you know very important. We are also the group that is promoting the digital transformation. I would say that with Margrethe Festager and with all our initiatives, we are at the forefront of that. And digital, I mean, uh, the young generation, the new generation is actually uh, more or less embedded with digital learning and, and you know, using the digital technology. And at the same time, the third feature would be entrepreneurship. I mean, young people love to be entrepreneurial um, and 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 this there is an instinct for the young generation to try to be curious, to 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 think about the entrepreneurial discovery, to get involved and and to involve themselves in this way. And this being said, with these three features, green, digital, and entrepreneurship, and with the overall approach, to to take care of the rights of people for access and opportunity, I think we are on on a good path. Related to the other segments of society, because we're not actually focusing only on the young generation, on on the children and denying or neglecting the others. I think that what is very important is not to uh, highlight the the rifts in the society, We should actually when we are talking about access and opportunity, we should actually um, look at how, for instance, elderly people can still get involved in society. There are so many member states in which um, after the age of retirement, uh, basically the elderly or the senior people are actually forgotten. They are denied opportunities to get involved, um, you know, provide voluntary work, um, do things for for their community. uh, and, And this is very pity. Uh, and so for us as liberals to engage the elderly and the seniors into you know uh, the the social activities uh, education uh, and not so and, and and so on it's quite important the same goes for instance with for for persons with disabilities there i mean the calculation is that more or less one in five uh, people at european level uh, suffer from one form of disability and i mean we are not talking here about just physical disability The idea is that out of these people, um, a lot of people may actually work if provided access and opportunity. And and we are very keen in providing access and opportunity for um, people with disabilities to get involved into the labor market, to get the right education, not to be segregated in in schooling and so on. And this this is coming from our defense of rights and promotion of access and opportunity overall. So we are not just, you know, picking and choosing um, one generation at the detriment of the other. But, I mean, it's kind of normal for us to go with the, with the new energy and the society. And I think that cultivating youth and children uh, with the children gar- child guarantee and other measures that we can actually think of would actually be very, very useful for the future. And will actually strengthen our uh, ranks as liberals.
0: Well, you did give us a lot to think about and a lot of very good ideas and and blueprints where we we can work together to have the European Union recover even stronger, more resilient, uh, less fragile from this crisis into the future. Now, in the last minutes that we have uh, together, and I'm going to ask you to come back to the podcast, but then tell us, uh, you just mentioned the Conference of the Future of the European Union, Tell us what you're doing right now that it's the most important thing and tell us how people can follow your work and and get involved.
1: I'm quite involved actually into this next generation thing and with the recovery plan Um, in the ECON, Economic and Monetary Affairs Committee. um, I would be likely working on uh, the Recovery and Resilience Facility. This is a new program, a brand new program with about 560 billion euro out of the 750 billion euro and uh, i i would probably be the co-rapporteur on this particular file and that's amazing um it's an an amazing opportunity um and i'm so honored to 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 be able to 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 play this role so um there we are talking exactly about the things that that uh, i've been addressing in, in this particular podcast about the vision for tomorrow on how each of the member states are coming up in the framework of the European semester with the reforms and investment for tomorrow and and creating a framework, a strategy, an overarching strategy at European level uh, for anti-fragility, that's something that will actually be um, at the cornerstone of my work. On the EMPL committee, Employment and Social Affairs, I'm working right now. Um, with on, on the skill strategy I'm working to to have a contribution for the SME strategy and obviously uh, to contribute with the labor part and and social capital part for the new industrial strategy so I am actually quite happy and enthusiastic about playing um a, a part in in this uh amazing process and i really believe that europe has a has an amazing opportunity right now to deliver and to uh, get out of this malaise um in which i think that we have been uh, uh buried a little bit in the last couple of years we need leadership we need actually to work together and to believe that we can you know transform europe in the kind of, um, you know, society that, that um, the next generation and us and the elderly and all
0: the people in Europe, all the citizens would actually love to live and um, develop and cherish. Well, again, I'm going to thank you so much for doing all the work that you've been doing at the European level, which has been great. I would like to, again, uh, ask you to come back to the podcast so that we can continue this conversation. I'm going to put links to all this that Drago just mentioned, all these commissions, and also your uh, uh, footprint on social networks. But for now, I'm going to thank you so much for coming to the podcast, Dragos. This was a really, really cool conversation.
1: Thank you very much. Again, I am delighted to have the opportunity to address your European Liberal Forum uh, audience.
0: I'm back, just to remind you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you feel like it, give us a five star review in that way you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by ELF for the month of July. On the 1st of July in the United Kingdom in London, always good to have our friends from across the channel. We have policy lab on safeguarding human rights in a digital age. This policy lab will gather policymakers and experts within the field of digitalization and human rights across the global liberal family. The participants will discuss some of the key policy issues surrounding digitalization and human rights and work to develop liberal responses to some of the questions which will shape the internet and societies on our future. This event is organized by Liberal International in partnership with the European Liberal Forum. And then on the 2nd of June, and following the success of Liberties in Lockdown series, we have now On the Agenda, and it's going to be another series of webinars. While the world is trying to recover in the aftermath of this health crisis, this is the moment to shape what the European Union and its member states are putting on their agendas in the short, medium and long term. And on the 3rd of July, on Zoom even if it's based on Brussels and Belgium, we have expert forum Liberal White Book Europe 2030. With the next European Parliament elections only due in 2024, the time has come to think about the future institutional framework and to develop and discuss liberal ideas for its reform with a view to the year 2030. Again, this event is going to be online on Zoom. And to know more about all the events organized by Elf, you just have to go to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now, but I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast is organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any use that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum.